I'm gonna take just a short period of time and just deliver a word or a message in regards to what we have been doing here at Antioch. If it's your first time here today or you came to watch your kids for dance camp, um, we just wanna say thank you. Thank you for being a part of today's service and to part, a part of today's gathering. And so we totally appreciate that. I'm not concerned with any of your kids of of shouting, crying, whatever that may be, because this is who we are as a family. This is what we love and we enjoy here at Antioch Church is we love family ministry, generational ministry. And so when I get to hang out with the kids upstairs, let me pull out somebody. Glow, come here. I want to show something that we get to learn upstairs, and it's it's a blast. And so a couple months ago, we started learning the books of the Bible, right? Did we learn the books of the Bible, guys? Okay, so I want to show something real quick. Just like there's, how many books are in the, in the whole Bible? Whole Bible. Do you remember how many books are in there? How many? 66. 66. How many of you didn't know that? All right, so how many books are in the Old Testament? Are you, are you counting all of them? How many? Oh, you raised your hand. <laughs> 30... 39. We're still working on this, guys, okay? And then how many are in the New Testament? 27. 27. Good job. Okay, can you give me the first five books of the Bible? Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And what, are those, and what are those called? The Pentateuch. They're called the what? The Pentateuch. The Pentateuch. Yo, look at this. This is a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, do you have any other books of the Bible that you know? You're, what about, which ones? All right, we'll catch you later. Good job, Glow. Make sure she gets some Bible books, Ellen, all right? Make sure she gets, uh, Bible book stores open, guys, so let's pay attention here. All right, I'm going to go ahead and get us right into this word. I'm getting 20 minutes, Jonathan. I'm going to hustle. Where's he at? I see you. I see you. 20 minutes. We're going to get you guys out of here before, before like 11.30, 11.45. We're going. All right, here we go. Hey, if you haven't been here in the past couple of weeks, we've been going through a, uh, a series or actually a book called Philippians. And Philippians has four chapters, and so we broke it up into weeks. But then we've also had an intro. So Pastor Jonathan, who led us in worship today, gave us an intro of the Phil, uh, Philippians book and said, just kind of laid out some themes for us. And one of those themes was rejoice. And so I'm going to talk on that, but before I get there, I just want to overview really quickly the, um, the last three weeks, which Pastor Jade and Pastor Christy, who lead this house, are currently on vacation. They are loving life in California right now. It is so exciting. I'm so excited for them. We're excited and partnering with them for the next three weeks. While they're gone, we're going to take care of business here in the house, all right? Amen. Yeah, there it is. Look, he's excited for that. Well, the first week, chapter 1, if you read your Bible, you'll notice that in Philippians chapter 1, you'll find that there's a power and priority to the gospel that Paul has placed on it. And Paul really places that throughout the entire letter to the Philippians, and he wants them to know this because of a particular reason, and I'll share that here momentarily. Philippians 2, Paul actually then guides us to say how we are to follow Christ and live humbly and like-minded as his church. If you didn't get a chance to listen to any of these messages, you can listen to them on our podcast. You can find it on our website at antiochcos.com. You can find all that information there to get onto our podcast and listen to these. Philippians 3, chapter 3, we learn 
how we as the church last week, we learned that we're not to put any confidence in our flesh, but wholly our confidence in Christ Jesus. And if you haven't read Philippians or you're not familiar with, with it, I'm going to go ahead and like kind of set the context of what's happening in their world right then. And then we're going to go ahead and just dive in and I'm going to get this to you, delivered to you, and hopefully the Lord transforms your life during that time. Philippians 3, 17 is where we're going to begin today, Alyssa. I'm so grateful where Pastor Jay laid the foundation last week. Because in order for us to understand why Paul was rejoicing, we can't put any confidence in our flesh. Our joy does not come out of our own flesh and our own capabilities. And I'm going to try to show you that here in the next few moments that we have together. Philippians 3.17 says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as often I told you before and now, tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, and their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mindset is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Chapter four. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Paul, just to give you some context, Paul's writing this letter in prison. He's writing this letter and he's telling the Philippians, he's saying, hey, I love you so, so much. Some of the translations actually like uh, bring that out a little bit more. And it says like, I love you dearly. I long for you. I want to be with you. And Paul's saying this from the context of prison. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in prison, I'm not sure like I'm like, I'm writing all these affectionate, friendly, lovely letters. I'm not sure if I'm writing that. <laughs> I want to tell you about all my hurts and pains of what I'm going through. And like, these cuffs hurt. This cell's horrible. But Paul doesn't do that. He says, I love you. I love you so, so much. It's like a romantic movie. And he's like writing this. I'm like, there is no romance in the midst of your prison yet, Paul. And he's like, no, there's, there's romance here. There's an affection here that I'm going to show. And so as we get into this, we have to key in on some terminology or some of the things that are being used for. So the word therefore in Philippians 4.1, now we have to remember, we have chapters in this book, but this was written as one letter. We just got it written into chapters for us, but it's one letter. So Paul's closing out his letter and he's saying all this stuff. And if you read in earlier in uh, chapter three, as we heard last week, but even from verse 12 to, to 17, You'll hear that Paul's telling the whole story about like pressing on towards the goal. I'm going to reach that goal and keep pressing on towards that. And then he goes, therefore. Well, in the English language, when we hear therefore, it means but. It means, okay, all that. Well, that's great. But therefore, this is why. This is why we're going to do this. And then he gives this like decorative command. You know, in the Greek when you study that word stand, it's actually an imperative. It tells, it's like a command. It's a directive. And it says this. 
He says, whom I love and long for my joy and crown, this is how you should stand firm in the Lord. Now the theme rejoice is said throughout uh, Philippians numerous times. And as I heard Paul say, rejoice, 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 and as I was studying this week and studying into the sermon, I wanted to know why and how does Paul rejoice? How is he in the midst of his trial and his tribulation and what he's going through, why is he telling a group of people, keep rejoicing? Let, let's, let's just get really real in this, in this moment. I want you to think about yourself in the context of a trial and a tribulation. You may be in one this very moment right now. I understand that. And I want you to think about when you see other people, is your first response rejoice? It may not be, and that's okay. And I think that's what Paul is trying to tell us, is that in the midst of that current circumstance that you're in, rejoice. Rejoice. But he tells us in a way to do it. He says the way that we do that is that we have to stand firm. So let me share it to you guys. That word stand in the Greek comes from a word called steo. Today, we will learn that word and we'll understand how, our, how hard it is to stay or to stand, right? Because when you tell your kiddos, stay. <laughs> when you got your kids around and you got them, just, just stand right here. Okay, I'll be right back. Just stand right here. You look at their face, like before you even turn around, they're like already moving. When can I move? When can I move? When can I move? And they're like, no, 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 just stay right here. No, no, just stay right here. And they're like, when can I move? When can I? And they're like about to go. And I'll come back to that because Paul's command to us or his admonishment to us is saying, stand. I told you all of this stuff, and I know that you're going through hard situations right now, but I just want you to stand. And why is this important for us to understand? Because when we go back to Ephesians 6, it's just a turn page away. Ephesians 6, we begin to hear, and many of us have heard this, if we've been in the church for any time, you may have heard of the armor of God. We hear this whole thing. We've done stuff in kids' church with the armor of God. We've got the helmet of salvation. We've got the breastplate of righteousness. And we've got the belt of truth. We hear all of that. But we, we don't remember sometimes is this. It says 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord and mighty in his power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers and principalities and powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Sometimes, this is just a thought, but sometimes I think when we get into a situation, we don't know what it's like, and it may be a trial or a tribulation. I don't think our typical response is to stand. You know what I think we do? Or if you're anything like me, you know what I do? Everything I can to do to fix it. I'm going to solve it. I'm going to solve this. I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to look at this. I'm going to look at it. And I'm just going to figure out like the combination. I'm going to click, 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 click. The right set of scriptures. Click, 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 click. I got the right set of prayers. Click, 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 click. And I got all these other things. And boom, problem solved. Right? We don't, we don't necessarily look at it and say, oh, problem stand. Right? Because we're like this little kid over here. Who's like, when 
God tells us to stand firm. We're like, when can I go? When can I go? When can I go? And we're looking. We're looking for ways to solve that problem. I got a trial tribulation. I got a trial and a tribulation that I'm walking through right now. And it takes everything inside of me, everything inside of me, not to try to fix it on my own. You know, that, that tells us something. Because when we even read, and what I just read to you guys, Ephesians 6, when we read the whole armor of God, you put the whole armor of God on, not once does it says, go fight now. It doesn't. It says, put all this stuff on. Click, 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 click. And it says, just wait right there. <laughs> and all of us think that, all of us in our, in our minds of the gladiator and Braveheart since I watched it this last year. Now I know finally, right? So now I know, <laughs> don't worry, inside story, but like eight years I've never watched, like for my entire life until last year did I watch Braveheart, so now I'm in, all right? <laughs> to be a part of Antioch, you must watch Braveheart. All right, here we go. So you think of a soldier, and if someone's telling you everything you're supposed to put on as a soldier, what do you think you're going to go do? You're going to go fight. So you're like, yeah, I got my sword. I got my helmet. I got my breastplate. I got my belt of truth. I got my shoes on. I got everything. And then it still says in that scripture, Paul still admonishes again. He says, stand. And you know what? If you're standing, keep standing. Don't go fight. Stand. Your best weapon of choice is to stand. Now, we have to understand that we're learning that in this time of standing, it's a tension. I know. Because you want to do something. You want to go, you just, I just want to creatively figure out this idea and I'm going to solve this problem. I'm done. Next problem. But the reality is the Lord's asking us to stand in all of this. We have to realize that the armor that we have on is not what we put our confidence in. Think about this. Just because I put on that armor, I have all the pieces on, doesn't mean I have confidence now. It just means I have an armor on and a place of reference to say, hey, these are the things that I need to utilize when war comes towards me. Because what we should be doing in those situations is identifying what we are standing on. Because that's why, that's why Paul says to the Philippians, he says, Stand firm in the Lord. Because here's what he knows. We as Christians, guys, we were always going to face problems. They're going to come. If you at some point or another thought, hey, once I become a Christian, like everything's going to be like, my mom used to say, hunkadori. Everything's going to be all good, right? We're going to sail away in the sunset. I got Jesus. We're all good. That's not the case. You know what's great is that Jesus told everybody this. He said, he goes, uh, in this world, you will have troubles. You're going to hit trials and tribulations. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. And I think, let me phrase it to you a different way. In this world, you will have troubles, guaranteed. <laughs> take heart, because I've overcome the world. Stand assured with confidence with your full armor on because I have overcome the world. Don't just walk into it and be like, sweet, you've overcome. I'll take care of this, Jesus. 
Because that's what we do. He says, take heart for I've overcome the world. Our perspective is not that we're going to be ruled by our circumstances, but that Jesus will overcome our circumstances. Because Jesus is the one that works through all of those. Not us. You may want a certain outcome, okay? I'm in a situation right now where I have a desired outcome. I know what I would like. I think Jesus was in a situation, if we don't remember, if we can recollect well, I think Jesus was in a situation where he wanted his own will. In the garden, before he's going to the cross, he's in the garden, he says, God, not my will, but your will be done. He was in a current trial and tribulation. You know what he said? I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand in the Lord. I'm going to stand on the Father's will, not my will. The way that we navigate and, and, and go through a trial and tribulation is what delineates us from all other, other people. Think about this. I love Psalms 23, right? Lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, because your rod and your staff come for me. Now, watch this. I, don't th- I think sometimes as believers, we, we forget, oh my goodness, that valley is like actually real in our lives. But you know the thing that keeps us steady through all of that? His rod and his staff, Jesus. Jesus. You know the thing that's different than Jesus than all other gods that are out there is that he beat death. And in my phrase, Jonathan loves this, but in my phrase, I always say he broke the game. Like he, he beat the game. Like nobody thought that that could happen. And he beat the game. And here's what happened. He overcame death. And if we think like Paul was writing to the Philippians and he said in, in chapter two, he said, live like Jesus did. And if we think that we can get around life without going through death, then we're missing the point. Because in order for resurrection to happen in your life, you must pass through death. You must pass through the dark. And it's going to be difficult, but here's the thing. When we walk through that difficulty, we know one thing, that we stand firm in Jesus. That's the difference maker. When we're in the valley, we've got this valley, and I said, your rod and your staff come for me, and I'll walk through death. I'll be resurrected. I will be transformed. It says at the end of chapter 3, it says that he's going to transform our lowly bodies. You know why I know I'll be resurrected? Because I know the end. Jesus wins. This is it. He's the victory. He wins it all. This is why I have hope. This is why Paul can say in the midst of his trial and tribulation, rejoice. He could not say rejoice. Watch this. He could not say rejoice if his hope was in his circumstance. He could not say rejoice if his perspective was in his circumstance. You know when he could say rejoice? It's when he's placed everything that he knows in Jesus, and from that, he can say rejoice. Guys, um, I, I'll close it this way. I'll, just, I'll get to this point because I think it's, it's good here. <clears throat> Paul's theme of rejoice through all of Philippians is this. He wants us to understand, I think, he wants us to understand this. The only way that you're going to navigate your current circumstances and the tensions that you live in of the world and what you're going through in your family life, the only way that you're going to navigate that is if you stand firm in Jesus. 
you will not have, there is no lasting joy without Jesus. Your circumstance is not going to produce lasting joy. Your current situation is not going to produce none of that. Your family won't produce lasting joy. You know who produces lasting joy? Jesus. When you're in that midst of that circumstance, (laughs) and you want to run from Jesus, all he's asking you during that time is actually to run towards him. The greatest thing that we can do in the midst of a trial and tribulation is to stand in Jesus. And you're like, David, that sounds like you're saying it's so simple. I know it's not simple. I know emotions happen. I know those things, I'm not invalidating any of that. But at the end of the day, do you mourn with him or mourn just because you're in that situation? Because think about this. Paul was in prison. And if you read Philippians 4, all the chapters, not once does Paul say, hey, Philippians, can you guys pray that I get out of prison? Can you pray that I get out of this darkness? No, you know what he says? I'm so happy that I'm here (laughs) because the gospel's advancing. You know what he says? He says, you guys, rejoice. We're not called to be taken out of our situations, guys. We're called to cling through Jesus so that he will pull us through the situation. Not (laughs) remove us from that situation. Because here's what God's after, and I'll leave this. Here's what God's after. He's after our hearts. 100% 100% completely after our hearts. And Paul's challenging and commanding and directing the Philippians this way. And he's saying, I know where you're at. I know what's going on. But the best thing that I can tell you is this. I love you so much. And out of my love for you, I hope that you will listen to me. That regardless of what you go through, that you'll stand. The NLT says this. And communion attendance, if you want to go ahead and get ready. The NLT says this. The New Living Translation says, stay true to the Lord. I think Paul is giving us hope and he's pointing us towards hope to say, I know your situation's tough, but the best place to go, the best place to be is hope in Jesus because that'll never change. I know many of us in this room have been through numerous different situations. But I think the thing that's pulled us all through that is that regardless of our circumstances, our hope and trust has always been in Jesus.